Gonna be a big week for uh, for Florida Gators recruiting, and we're gonna talk about exactly why. Only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and find us on YouTube. And find more written work with GiantsCountryOfSI.com. Before getting into today's content, just ask you to like, subscribe, comment, review, do what it, do whatever it is that you want to do. But I'm about to be joined by John Garcia, and we got a banger of a show for you. Joining me now is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And before we get into the content, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college terms and conditions apply and john it's been a little while uh you, you had a nice vacation last week and now 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 we're back into it and uh it, it's a busy week you, you you like got back right in time for all the <laughs> all the commitments this past weekend and this week coming up is insanely busy but what's the latest on john walker the first july 28th guy to commit yeah, John's done a really nice job uh, of keeping things pretty close to the vest. Uh, we, we make phone calls on on his behalf, and we hear a whole lot of schools being mentioned. You know, Florida certainly chief among them. We we hear some Ohio State involved with him at, at a very high degree, as well as a couple of others. So I think he's done of of those guys of these Osceola guys in particular. I think he's probably done the best job of keeping things close relative to Jakeem and relative to. Uh, LeBlanc and some of these other guys. I think he's been a little bit more reserved in, in how he navigates the process. I mean, UCF feels like they're still in it, you know? So I, I do think that that that's all John right there. I mean, he's, he's a, and it reflects who he is. He's a player who's like about his business. You go watch him at a camp, he just wrecks shop and then just kind of moves on to the next drill. There's, there's not a lot of uh, talking out there, a lot, not a lot of flash with him. So it's it makes sense that his recruitment has kind of followed that same pattern, if you will. But uh, look, this is an extremely coveted interior defensive lineman who, who fits this modern mold at the point of contact. And yeah, everybody still wants this kid. So I'm, I'm as tuned in on his recruitment and commitment on the 28th than, than any of the others, because I feel like we got a better feel for some of the other prospects uh, on that list. But I, yeah, I don't know if any school is very confident today for John Walker. And I think that's a credit to the kid. Yeah, and you touched on UCF still feeling like they're in it. What is it kind of like for UCF at this point? Because they're, they're moving up, they're getting bigger, they're obviously growing and taking more chances, and they've, and they've got an established winning head coach. What does that mean for them on the recruiting trail when it comes to competing with schools like Florida and Ohio State? Well, they got to keep competing and, and they got to win a couple of these. I think that's the main thing, especially with the Orlando guys, right? That's obviously their their legitimate backyard. 
Um, we know every other school in the country is recruiting that area too, but you've got to go head to head and win. You know, they did it with the twins uh, from Sanford Seminole in the last cycle. And, and they had, you know, as they had Nixon on board before Florida flipped them. So they've shown signs of being willing and ready to compete with power five programs and win some of those battles. But yeah, I think they got to do it a little bit more consistently. You know, if, if you pull off a Walker, it'll make up for a lot of it. Um, but, but just being a hat on the table and, and Gus Malzahn will tell you it is not enough for UCF. There's certainly more of that, that, that we've seen under Gus, um, but it's got to continue to kind of project forward to where they're starting to win a couple of those battles uh, as well. Cause there's going to be, I think a handful of teams outside of the state of Florida that could sign more Floridians in this class than UCF. And that's something that probably isn't a good um, stat for sustainability, but there's no doubt that they are swinging for the fences with, with these recruits. So yeah, you're, when you miss it, it's going to hurt a little bit more, but I think that's a risk you have to continue to take if, if you're Gus Malzahn, T. Will, and, and those guys. Yeah, and there's another player that you mentioned who Twitter is kind of just running wild with his recruitment right now in Derek LeBlanc with, with Oklahoma and Florida and, and all these things. What's the latest on him heading into his recruitment? Or yeah, into- another one who, you know, it's it's been the opposite of, of Walker's. It's been all over the place, like you said. The commitment dates have changed. The visits, the favorites, the leaders – have changed and I think it's it's kind of warranted. LeBlanc is he's a tweener, right? He's a kid who's probably a safer bet to play inside at the next level defensively, but he wants to be a pass rusher. He wants to rush the passer. So how does that affect his leading schools uh when, when he's being recruited at different positions by different programs? So yeah, he's visited Florida like a hundred times and he's visited Miami like 99, but yeah, Oklahoma, Penn State, have, they've had all these schools have had different momentum uh, with LeBlanc. And I think the longer it's stretched and the closer we've gotten to this commitment, I think the better those schools are feeling about pulling him out of Florida. I think 60 days ago, he was a lock to stay in the state. And this was another one of these Florida versus Miami battles, just like Kinsler or Mizell or some of these other guys that we're going to talk about, like clear. He's staying home kind of thing. Maybe FSU factors in, but nobody else. But here, you know, after taking visits in June, this thing has really flipped upside down. And I think the kid and and his fluidity, the positional stuff has factored into that as well as, you know, some of the schools on his list picking up a lot of commits. Penn State's got a big class. Florida's been been hot on the trail. They're going to finish July very well, almost no matter what. Miami went on their run at the beginning of July. So it's like, hey, you know, these spots are filling up even for a Derek LeBlanc. And I think that's the business side of the process. You know, we off air, we were talking about Peyton Kirkland. If you don't think that others taking spots factored into to where he ended up at Texas, you're kidding yourself. I mean, the kid admitted he was in tears because he kind of didn't have that true understanding of where he stood on these boards relative to when he wanted to commit. So I do think some of that is potentially happening with, with Derek LeBlanc, where there's a little bit of, of a gap between the perception and the reality of the contenders and, and where a letter of intent will be sent from uh, ahead of a, a verbal commitment. You know, I think that'll be fascinating as well, but I do think those out of state schools have to feel a little bit better today than uh, a month or two ago. And then we're about to talk about some kids who are um, 
uh, we're a little more confident in for Florida, but first a quick word from Built Bar. It's summertime. I'm I'm dying. My AC ain't working right now, so I'm dying. But that just helps me because I I need to get in better shape. And the way that I do that is eating Built Bar on the daily. At this point, you all know I have a hardcore sweet tooth. Like I'm I'm candy, junk food, chocolate, all all that sweet stuff. I eat incessantly, but now I got Built Bar to help me do that. It's coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and just four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. So you could throw out all that junk food like I did. Yay! And you can get Built Bar. Don't got to feel bad. There's no guilt after. And it's great protein bar. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors too, so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. Now we are back with John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, and talking a little bit more about guys we feel more confident in as Florida commits, hopefully. First up is Jakeem Jackson. He's the last guy of the July 28th commits that we're talking about. What's the latest on him and his recruitment process? Yeah, fascinating rise uh, for Jakeem. You know, a year ago, a guy we were hearing about locally, uh, and that was kind of it. And, and then it just kind of blew up. Everyone got a sense of, oh, this kid is six one. Oh, he really does run well. Oh, the technique is good too. At a premium position like corner, I mean, it just kind of aligned for him to where he became a national recruit. You know, the Alabamas, the Ohio States of the world, all over this kid for for quite a while here down the stretch. But yeah, I, I think this has felt like Florida's race to lose for some time. Again, I think people forget. You, you I, I talk to a lot of recruiting analysts and coaches all over the country, and there's this perception that Florida's going to figure it out under Napier eventually because he's built a good staff and, and he's been around, et cetera. But if you look at some of these staff members and a guy named Corey Raymond in particular, there should not be any of that eventually conversation around it. I think he is still – I know he is still one of the best – uh, cornerback coaches and recruiters simultaneously throw in developer on top of it that there is in the sport and that in the state of Florida uh, with the available talent in the state of Florida is going to resonate. So I, I think it would be a borderline shock if, if Jakeem ended up anywhere outside of Gainesville when, when all was said and done. And I think this is the next step in Raymond building what's going to be a really good class. I mean, we weren't talking about Sharif Denson to Florida six months ago. Uh, we weren't talking about Jakeem to Florida six months ago. If they, you know, they're going to stay in the hunt till the end for Cormani McLean, they could be the favorite before all is said and done there. I mean, this is going to be a great DB and particularly cornerback class for UF with Raymond in place recruiting the way he has always recruited. So let's not forget that when we think of Billy Napier as this, this new coach and a new staff in the SEC where, you know, a few months ago there was like, oh, is, is this too much for, for this coaching staff? Like, not quite. Like, they figured it out, and, and they're going to continue to do so throughout July and, and beyond. Yeah, you mentioned how good Corey Raymond is as a recruiter and developer, and just a little anecdote is that last week I had a YouTube comment that was like, well, they need to pay him more because uh, he needs to be with the, with the highest paid assistants. And I was like, He's the highest paid cornerbacks coach in the country. So I, I don't think that that's really something that you need to worry about right now. But, but sure. He's doing okay. He's doing okay. Yeah, yeah he's, he's okay there. He's, <laughs> he's, he's making a living wage for sure. Yes. And then on the flip side of the ball, 
there is a wide receiver that Florida fans have been talking about for seemingly forever now with Aiden Early Mizell. What is the latest on him and, and his expected commitment to Florida, I'll say? Look, in state, at a position of need, um, legitimate legitimate talent. I should have said that first, probably. Double legacy with his parents, you know, going to UF. I mean, this is one that you can't miss. You, you can't miss. It is. It stings more when you lose this type of recruit. And we, we see it every cycle with even the best teams. I mean, Georgia just lost uh, Veron Haynes' son to Alabama at running back. You know, I mean, it's it's it happens every cycle. But, uh, you know, it can't really happen for Florida in this cycle. I think um, that's, that's a position that's going to be a strength. It's a group that's almost, you know, it's rounding third at this point, right? You, you got Wilson on board. You had Cree, uh, Humphrey early on in, in the ball game here. I mean, I think it's it's going to be a very strong position for Florida in the end, but there's still room for that classic kind of wide receiver one guy. And I think Mizell is probably going to profile like that relative to some of the other targets, Andy Jean and some of those that are still on the board. I think he's going to profile the best compared to Patterson and Eugene Wilson and some of these other guys that, that are on board. Uh, so you got to win, you got to win the recruitment. Uh, it's always been the sooner, the better for Florida. So once the dates came out and all of that, it really just felt like a matter of, of when and not if, and, and look, you're, you're bringing production pedigree and, and, and some track times that should get Florida fans uh, very excited about the future of the wide receiver position. So strong competition, as you would imagine, for a receiver uh, from Orlando with that type of talent. But I do think kind of like Jakeem, it would be shocking to this point if, if he ends up anywhere but Florida when that day comes. Yeah, and I mean, we've spoken about it before on the show with Florida just stocking up at certain positions, receiver being one of them. What would Aiden Mizell kind of mean? Because Florida's in on guys like Andy Jean and other climbing or very high-ranked already wide receivers – what does that mean? Because like you just mentioned, we're rounding third. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got different types of, of styles in, in this class, right, for Florida. Obviously, Eugene is your great, great slot receiver. I mean, he's going to be, when our rankings come out, he'll be a top five slot receiver nationally. Just speed, torque, all, all that great stuff. Uh, I think Patterson, he is more of your conventional boundary receiver. Six two, six three, polished Good route runner, uh, good length, uh, a lot uh, to build on with uh, with Whitmore. I said Creed Humphrey earlier. I'm thinking NFL football. With Creed Whitmore, uh, you've got more balance. Kid who can work the slot but also eventually work outside. You're wondering if he's going to hit that growth spurt and get over six foot like his older brother did. We expect that to happen. So I think he could be a balance type. But then Mizell is he's the headliner. He is the guy who's getting that baton last in the four by one. You know, he's the anchor of, of the race for Florida. He's big, fast, strong, polished, productive. He profiles like that classic wide receiver one, the Jamar Chases of the world, who really you build the passing attack with him in mind. That's the type of guy that he is to me. And then you start thinking of the, how complimentary these guys are to one another. And that's what you want. You want um, the, the situation, the hypothetical where you've got Mizell on the outside and Wilson right next to him. That's a whole lot of speed, a whole lot of sub four, four speed. And now all of a sudden your defense is vulnerable there. So you're rotating a safety that way, which opens up the backside. And now you can do all these other things. 
these are the types of approaches you expect from Florida. Florida should always have that type of threat from a speed and production standpoint at receiver. It, it should 100% of the time, no matter the personnel, be tangibly true for Florida. And I think Mizell gives you that kind of complete picture. They're still recruiting other guys, as we've talked about, but I think Mizell's the last piece to the to the baseline of the plan. And then you want to add cherries on top, very cool. But this rounds out kind of your your starting group, your your core group of receivers in this class. To me, although again, we expect more guys to jump on board, but he's he's really the, where the conversation should start. And then there, there's two more guys to talk about today, and the first one being Jordan Cassell, who or Castle, who we kind of thought was going to commit later when he had his date set, and we were pretty sure that was going to stick. And then you know, last week he he moved it up to the end of this month. What does that mean for Florida, and what's his recruitment been like so far? You know, I think once we got to the spring months, Brandon, a lot of people started pulling out of this race because they just thought, well, this kid's a gator. Um, I I felt that way for a while. Um, He's just got this posture about him that he's just more calm than other uncommitted recruits, you know, And, and I think that usually means two things. One, the decision's been done internally and privately for some time, or maybe something has already been communicated and it's just a matter of it coming to light. You know, either way, uh, this is the most, this is the lock of all locks in, in this conversation of, of, of a few locks here. This feels like the safest bet for Florida among the guys we've talked about today, Brandon, uh, a matter of when and not if another Orlando guy, which is like ground zero for Florida recruiting all of a sudden and an important get, I think with guys who we consider locks, there is always this consistency from fans and even analysts or anyone else to overlook it because it's like, oh, he's local or, oh, yeah, we've been expecting him forever. So there's just this opportunity to overlook that prospect because of that. But this kid is legitimately 6'2", 200 pounds. He looks like he's playing Saturday or maybe Sunday football right now. He is well put together. He's a balanced safety with great range, great production plays against great competition as well. Um, that's the kind of guy you need to compliment some of these corners with. We talked about this great corner class that's coming. You need to compliment those guys with nickels and safeties who can move around and, and patrol the middle. And I think Jordan has some of the best safety, classic safety profiling traits uh, in the state of Florida this year. And as we talked about, there's always DB talent in the state. So if you're one of the best safeties in Florida, you're one of the best safeties in the country. So I think this would be another strong get, even though it's felt like a lock for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's felt like a lock. He had the October 1st date set to honor his dad. And we were just like, like Florida fans were just like, it's going to happen. Like we were, we were counting him in the recruiting class at this point, but he's moved it up now. And there's another player that is committing shortly and he's, Again, like we're thinking he's kind of a lock in Dequavia's story. What's the latest on him and his recruitment? Yeah, an- another one who it's 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 felt like the sooner the better for Florida. Another potential receiver. I guess you know, he's he's got this skill set that that could have him moving around an offense or a defense. He's got secondary experience. He played linebacker in seven on seven. He's a great receiver, running back type, uh, up up in the panhandle as well. So I'm curious to see positionally where he ends up, maybe more than what school he ends up at. Because basically, even before he decommitted from Georgia, it was just like 
Florida's with this staff in particular is going to be able to to reel him in. Um, and I think that's that's where it gets interesting because we've talked about this big receiver class that Florida has has started to assemble. So you wonder where a kid like Sori fits, but he's big, physical, versatile, and has just a lot of untapped potential. I think he's kind of the developmental option in this in this grouping. If we do put him at receiver in, in this hypothetical, he's the developmental guy. He's the sixth man who comes off the bench. You're like, man, he could score. We just don't know if he could do the other things yet. Rebound, play defense, all that stuff. That will come with time, I think, with with Sori. He's, he's got a, a great athletic foundation. Just not sure from a technical or polished standpoint where he lines up initially at the collegiate level. But yeah, that's where the drama is with him. It's not so much in his recruitment. Another kid who, by the way, you know, another in-stater, all these guys have been in-staters, I believe, that we've talked about today. Um, you want to build the class with a Florida emphasis, but I, I don't think most Florida fans would have said, hey, 10 of 12 t- for now. 10 of 12 are from the state of Florida. I mean, that is – talk about prioritizing the state. I mean, I think that number's going to be relatively consistent. Talking 80 90% of your class from the state of Florida. I mean, that is something that is hard to do uh, and hard to execute, especially for a, a staff in transition like, like this Billy Napier staff. So uh, another – Again, thing that we'll overlook because oh, it's the Gators; they should do it. But it's you still got to go do it. So <laughs> there's there's some there's some love to be to be shown there for for this staff relative to keeping kids inside state lines because that's really for Florida, for Miami. Those two new hires that was like the only thing we heard about at the beginning. Can you keep Floridians in Florida? Um, and I think for both cases, the answer has has been yes, especially relative to the coaching staffs they replaced. Yeah, which thankfully for that one. Uh, thank you, John. Catch John on Twitter at John Garcia underscore JR. He is Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, Locked On's Recruiting Insider, and he'll be back for tomorrow's episode. So you'll see him again this week. Let's do it. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever it's the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with John Garcia, where we're talking about a lot of recruiting stuff. Make your second listen locked on SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. The dude has been absolutely crushing it with interviews over the past ever, really, if we're being honest. Just absolutely crushing it. SEC commissioner, Anthony Richardson, he has everybody on that show. Check it out. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and find us on YouTube. And find my written work with GiantsCountryFSI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.